uh, Ron, if I hear me good, I was telling him that uh, I still get goosebumps every time I watch that, no matter how many times I see it. Even uh, when I went out to California to do my voiceovers for the film and Randall Wallace, the director, pulled me in his office. He said, I want to show you something. He showed me that exact scene that we just watched, and I'm sitting on a little couch. And by the time he got to the finish line, I'm on the edge of the couch, like, just in this anticipation. I'm thinking, okay, you, you, you wrote it, you watched it, you know the ending. But it still just has this way of drawing you in. But I, I'm so glad to be here today. Uh, I can see over this podium. Yeah, when we got here, he asked if I wanted to stand behind here or move around. And I thought I'd need to move around because most podiums, I, I'm kind of more like this. <laughs> so uh, I may not have to move as much as I thought. Uh, in 2007, uh, I got a prophetic word from the Lord at the church where I go to in Vivi, as he was telling you. We're a little more high-strung down there. But uh, I got a word from the Lord telling me, that I was going to ride a champion. But that's not where my story starts. My story started when I came to know the difference between just being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. Uh, back in 2006, God placed a man in my life. And um, this man took me under his wing, so to speak. And uh, he discipled me. He uh, taught me about the power of the Holy Spirit and what it means to truly put God first in my life. And so uh, I want to share a little formula with you today of something that I've kind of stumbled upon at first, but now it's become part of my everyday life and my everyday walk. Um, it's one thing to get a promise from God. In fact, it can be very exciting, as it was in my case. But before we can see that promise come to pass, we have to get a picture of the promise. And that's what I want to share a little bit with, uh, with you today. This is something that I've noticed, and since I've, God's kind of showed me what he's done in it, I've found multiple scriptures that show the same thing, and I'm starting to see how this works. And I'm going to explain it to you through, I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures. If you have your Bible and you want to go to Judges uh, chapter 7, I'm going to show you a couple of examples of how this works. And uh, I believe when you see this, you're, you're going to get pretty excited because I've used it myself over the last couple of years. And God, it's just, God's opened so many doors. It's just amazing. Um, I'm not going to read the whole chapter of Judges. Uh, I'm going to start down around verse 7. But to put it in a nutshell, to get you caught up to verse 7, if you're not familiar with the story of Gideon, uh, Gideon has this army of about 35,000 men. And he's fixing to go up against this army of about 350,000 men. Okay, so the odds not looking good for Gideon. All right, well, then God looks at him. He says, no, but that's too many. He says, and so he puts these people, his soldiers, through several tests. And he whittles this army of 35,000 down to 300. And he's like, okay, now, now you're ready for the battle, you know. And I can only imagine what Gideon's thinking. <laughs> he's like, okay, 35. Hundred or thirty-five thousand wasn't enough, so we're going to bring it down to three hundred. All right. So in um, chapter seven, I'm going to pick up around verse nine, and I'm just going to read the text to you, and then uh, just a couple of verses here. It says, uh, "It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, in other words, if if you don't believe me." If you're afraid to go down, 
Go down to the camp with your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. So he went down to the camp with his servant Pura to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Malachites of all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as the locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in the multitude. When Gideon had come there, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent, struck it so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Then his companion says to him, I know what this dream is. This is none other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. And to his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp into our hand. Now, what happened here? At first, he get, God gives him the promise. He says, I'm going to deliver them into your hand. But Gideon's not seeing it. You know, he believes it, but he's not seeing it. And so God says, Go down to the camp. So he goes down and he's over, you know, he's over, eavesdropping on these guys on the outpost. And then he hears this vision. And all of a sudden, he gets a picture of the promise. He sees that he can defeat this ginormous army with just a couple hundred men. And he gets excited, and it says he worshiped. You know, and what had happened was God finally showed him the potential that was inside of him and all of his men. The same potential that's in each and every one of us. I mean, there's a, just a multitude of promises in God's word just waiting to be claimed. But we got to get the faith inside of us to step into those promises. Now, I want to give you one more example. Uh, let's take uh, Jesus and Peter. All right. Now, when Jesus finds Peter, he's had he's been out fishing all night. How many guys do we have here that fish? A couple guys. Wow, not many. I'm from Arkansas. When you say that, every hand, <laughs> husbands, wives, everybody goes up. But uh, he's had a bad night on the lake. All right. And Jesus comes to him. And he's fixing to call him into the ministry. But he hasn't caught nothing all night. So if Jesus turns to him and says, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men, what would the image in his mind have been? Empty nets. He had caught nothing. He'd think, well, I'll go out. Maybe I'll win one or two people to the Lord, you know. But that isn't what he did. Before he called him, he told him, he said, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And so he cast his net on the other side of the boat, and it says... The nets began to fill, the ropes began to break, and the boat almost sank because there were so many fish in these nets. Then Jesus turns to him and says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now what the picture of, in his mind is, it's overflow. And he sees the possibility and the potential that he has inside of him. So back to my story, in 2007... I move up to uh, Vivi, Indiana, and I get this prophecy telling me that I'm going to ride a champion. Pastor Bob, uh, who's gone on to be with the Lord now, he wasn't a racetrack person, as most pastors aren't. And uh, he saw this vision, and he told me about this vision. He said, Otto, I see you on this horse, and it's got this garland of roses draped across your lap. Now, how many people are horse racing fans? Even less than fishermen. Okay. <laughs> In horse racing, there's only one race 
that you wear roses across your lap, and that's the Kentucky Derby. And I thought, oh, my. <laughs> and I, to give you a little backstory, I would rode for uh, 12 years and retired. I was tired of racing, and I'd left it and was done, and God called me back to racing. And I didn't want to go. I went. I came scratching and kicking, but I did follow him and what he was telling me, and I went back. And then I get this prophecy that I'm going to ride a champion. And finding a derby winner is about as good as the odds of defeating 350,000 men with 300 men. I was just like giddy, and I was like, this task is just its too big. And so I start my uh, journey looking for this champion to ride. Now, uh, one thing about God, and it's funny that Pastor said we're using a racing thing today, is he likes long shots. God loves a long shot. When you, that once again, you look in the scriptures, and you'll see it over and over. There's uh, David versus Goliath. Um, Moses versus the Pharaoh. Daniel and the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego versus a fiery furnace. All long shots. But that's what God likes. He likes a long shot because when they win, it makes him look that much better. And God uses people just like them, just like me, just like you, to do that, to draw more people to him because they see his power. Now, I want to share something else with you here. Um, One of the things I've learned is that dependence on God is another word for power, pretty much. Dependence is another word for power is what he's shown me. And uh, in 2009, now this is two years after I'd gotten the prophecy, I'm still riding races. Uh, I'm doing very well. I'm winning a lot of races. In fact, I just recorded my 1,500th win. And uh, my wife sees me one evening, and she looks at me, and she can tell just something's laying heavy on me. And so she says, uh, what's the matter? And I said, man, it's this whole prophecy about riding a champion. I said, two years have gone by, and I haven't, you know, I'm riding a lot of winners, but I'm not riding champion quality horses. I don't know how long this is going to take. And she says, well, uh, what exactly did God say? And I said, well, I mean, I said I'd write. He said, no, go get your journal, because I keep a journal of everything that I feel like God shared with me or somebody speaks over me. And so I get my journal, and I open it up. And I re- she said, read it out loud. And I said, it says, God says you'll ride a champion. And she says, you see that? I said, no, what? She said, God said you'd ride a champion. He didn't say you had to go find a champion. And it was at that moment that I realized, like so many times in my life, I'd taken the reins away from God, and I was trying to make this thing happen in my own power. And that's not what he wanted. He wanted me to turn loose the reins, let him do his thing and watch it come to pass. And so that's, that's not an easy one to do sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's hard, you know, and especially in this day and age that we're in. I mean, we are what I like to call a microwave generation. You know, we want everything fast, but the problem is we serve a crockpot God. You know, he's not always into that hurry up, go thing, you know. Um, between microwaves, drive through windows... Uh, Google, I mean, I guarantee you, Pastor can vouch for that. You remember? I bet you had a concordance at one time, huh? 
I mean, I remember when I first started really digging into the Word of God, and I had this concordance that was about that thick. And I would get so frustrated when I knew the Scripture in my head, but I wasn't quite sure how it went. And, man, I'd look up all the words, and now you just type in about three words into Google, and boom, there, there it is, you know. But that's what we've become to be. We're, we've become this microwave generation, and we want everything, and we want it now. Now, uh, patience is not an easy thing to do, especially for me when I've received a word from the Lord and I'm wanting, you know, I want to give God the glory. I want to bring it to pass, but I'm like, how long is this going to take? You know, when are we going to get there? And so, uh, you know, I thought of some other people in the Bible. I thought, okay, let's look at some of these people, you know, who got a word from God, but then had to wait a little while. And I found uh, Abraham. I mean, he's given a word that from God that he's going to have a child and I mean him and his wife are way past childbearing age and but not only that he has to wait another decade before this kid comes along I mean how much patience did that have to take or Noah building an ark how many years did it take him 80 something years to build the ark you know that's a lot of patience that you gotta you know sometimes but that's what we have to endure sometimes so back to my story I'm in Cincinnati and I'm riding and I went a race at River Downs, and afterwards this gentleman, John Englehart, walks up, and he hands me this script for Secretariat. And so I, you know, it's a lot of the stuff out there, outdoors there. He, actually, he has a handicapping show that they do before each race, and it's filmed out in the sun, and I thought he'd been out in the sun too long that day. <laughs> and so I take the script from him, and he's like, oh, you gotta, you got to try out for this, you know, and so... I didn't think much of it. I took it home with me, got home that night, and sat it on my coffee table, and ate, did, my wife had dinner ready. We sat down and ate, and uh, as we're finishing dinner, she says, what's the stack of papers you brought in? I said, man, John Englehart gave me a script for a Disney movie and wanted me to go audition, and she's like, a movie? What, what's it about? I was like, well, it's about Secretariat, the 73 Triple Crown Champion. And she's like, well, are you going to go do it? Are you going to call him? And I said, well, no. You know, I said, I'm on a mission from God to ride a champion. I don't have time <laughs> to be trying my hand at acting, you know. And so she plays the kid card on me, you know. We got two daughters at the time. One of them's just a baby, and the other one's like eight years old. And she says, think about the girls, you know. What if their dad, they could say their dad was in a Disney movie. And so I call the number on the uh, audition sheet, only to find out that the auditions are the very next day in Lexington, Kentucky. And so I tell the lady who I am and everything. She's all excited, gives me a time. I think it was 10.30 in the morning that I had to be down there. And so the next day, on my one day a week that I have off where I normally play golf, I'm driving to Lexington to go audition for this movie that I want no part of. And my best friend from Arkansas calls me. Uh, the gentleman who had kind of taken me under his wing and discipled me. He calls me and he's like, hey man, what are you doing? I said, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. I said, my wife has talked me into going and auditioning for a Disney movie. And he laughed for about a minute and a half. And once he finished laughing, he asked me, he says, when when'd you take up acting? And I said, well, I haven't. You know, I said, Brandy's talked me into going and doing this. And he said, well, what's the movie about? And I said, well, it's about Secretariat. And knowing that Spencer uh, wasn't a racing fan, I asked him, I said, do you know who Secretariat is? 
And he says, well, yeah. He says, everybody knows who he is. He was like the greatest champion of all time, which I agree. You know, I mean, his records still stand to this day. And then Spencer, in his infinite wisdom, says, hey, didn't you get a prophecy spoken over your life a couple years ago that you'd ride a champion? And this is where I had my Gideon moment. <laughs> All of a sudden, the light came on. And I, just like Gideon, I worshiped. Man, the rest of the trip to Lexington, I don't even remember. It was just like I was floating. I, I felt like Jesus when he got translated from one side of the lake to the other. I, it, it didn't even happen. And I walked into that audition with all the confidence in the world and God behind me. And I read for the part, you know, I didn't have time to memorize all the lines. And I read for the part, and when I got done, this casting director, she got so excited. I mean, you'd have thought Brad Pitt walked in and auditioned for this part. <laughs> she was just going nuts. And I'm thinking, wow, God is really doing something here. And so after two callbacks and a very driven uh, reading partner that helping me learn my lines, I ended up landing the part of Ron Turcott in Secretariat. And God's word, what the prophecy was fulfilled that was spoken over my life. So in all this, what I'm here to say to you today is that that's how it works. You get a picture or you get a promise, then you got to get a picture of the promise. And then once you get the picture of the promise, you'll have the faith the strength to go in and walk into whatever it is that God's calling you into. Now, I believe, without a doubt in my heart, that the reason that God chose me over the 736 other jockeys who auditioned for the part of Ron Turcott was he knew my heart, and he had my heart at the time, and he knew what it knew where I was. And in Exodus 9.16, there's a verse... It says, but indeed for this purpose I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. So my challenge to you is that same thing. That's why God chose me because he knew once that fame and all the things that come with it come that I wouldn't get caught up in that but that I would use it to give him the glory. And so my challenge to you today is to do the same to seek God's promises for your life, to claim the promise, get the picture, and then when it comes to pass, give God the glory. Thank you.